0: (laughs) So we are looking at Exodus 15. We're not going to read the whole thing. There's a song in there. So you can read the song later. We're going to start with the beginning of the song anyway. And uh, chapter 15, verse 1. Then Moses. So if there's a then, it's there because something happened. So what happened? Well, the story of the Israelites. We can't get into it all. But uh, Abraham's family went down into Egypt, became several million people they ended up slaves we don't know how many years they were slaves but they were slaves for a good good number of years they cried out to god god heard and god delivered them he delivered them by the blood of the lamb the passover because the lamb was slain they put their trust in the lamb and when they put their trust in the slain lamb they were born again it was a new life Everything was starting all over for them. It said it was a new calendar. The calendar would start then. New life begins right then. New life begins with the slaying of the Lamb and the applying of the blood of the Lamb to your doorposts, to my doorposts. So they're born again. So then, what else happened? They're leaving Egypt. And as they're leaving Egypt, they hear that Pharaoh is pursuing them. Well, there's something to learn about being born again and starting the Christian experience. That as soon as you start it, the devil's going to come right back after you. He's going to chase you down. He's not going to let go of you easily. You have now been set free, but he's coming after you. And when he's coming after them, coming after Israel, says he gets all of his chariots, 600 chariots. He's got all of his people, all of his armies. He's going after them. And the people start complaining. They start complaining to Moses. They said, look, why did you do this to us? Now we're done. Well, as soon as you come out, there's what? There's battles of faith. There's things that are going on in our life that require faith and require trusting God. Because God told them he would bring them out and he'd bring them into a new land and now they're afraid. Now they're afraid. Um, So then Moses and all of the Israelites sang a song. Well, what happened? Well, when they were pursuing them, pursuing the Israelites, God intervenes. God parts the, the Red Sea and he drowns all of the Israelites and they go out so now that God has worked a victory for them in their new experience in their born-again life they're singing a song because God has come through for them but it's not before they start complaining to God so right after the complaining and then they see the deliverance and now they're singing kind of like us isn't it that we're set free And we're all glad that we're set free. And then we start complaining. And then we start losing faith. And then we start saying, you know, what's going on now? And then God delivers us. And we praise the Lord. And you can guess what's going to happen next. They'll be complaining. (laughs) But right now they're singing. Right now they're singing. They're freed slaves who are singing and dancing. We'll see that in just a moment. Dancing is a great church tradition, a great biblical tradition that seems to not exist as much in the church anymore. So then Moses and the Israelites sang this song to the Lord. And here's the song they sang. I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. Both horse and rider he has hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength, he's my defense, he's become my salvation. Verse 3. He's, he is my God and I will praise Him. He's my Father's God. So that's a good uh, passage for today. My Father's God and I will exalt Him. This thing going on for generations and generations. If you go down to verse 19, you can read the rest of the song later. It tells all of the things that God did, all of the things that they're praising Him for. That's why we often call the time that we just had a time of praise and worship. So we're praising God, giving praise to God, speaking of who he is and what he has done. And we do it together. And we'll talk a little bit about music, but um, music in this case, they seem to be singing the song, and then Miriam seems to be the one that brings in the music here. In verse 19 it says, When Moses' horses and chariots and horsemen went into the sea, the Lord brought the waters of the sea back over them, but the Israelites walked through the sea on dry ground. Then Miriam. Miriam the prophet, Aaron's sister, took a timbrel. So this is a family thing, right? All of this is happening. is happening with families. Miriam the prophet, Aaron's sister, took a timbrel in her hand. And all the women followed her with timbrels and dancing. And some say tambourines and dancing. And Miriam sang to them. Sing to the Lord. Same song. For he is highly exalted. Both horse and rider he has hurled into the sea so having been delivered by the blood of the lamb which is a picture of jesus christ the israelites which is a picture of the people of god which most of us here are most of us have come to know god most of us have come to know god through jesus christ and uh, maybe this morning you'll come to know god through jesus christ you'll trust him and your relationship with god will be restored that's how it happens one by one just the addition to the kingdom But having been delivered by the blood of the Lamb, a picture of the work of Jesus, the Israelites, a picture of the people of God, those of us who are gathered here in the worldwide assembly of God's people, they begin a new life. And Peter says that once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. And, And once they were a family, but now they're a nation. A nation was born in a day where they come out as a family and a nation starts. And so once we were not a people, but now we are. We are a holy nation. We are the people of God. We belong to God. That's what the church is, those who are called out and assembled together. And so we are church with a little C. There's church with a big C, which is a universal church all around the planet. Down the road, there's another church with a small C. And then if you go in this direction, town, there's another one. And you go into the next town, and there's all of these little Cs that make up the big C church. That is in Eastern Connecticut, then Connecticut, then the United States, and you know Europe, Asia, Africa, Antarctica, <laughs> maybe. The people of God meeting in all kinds of places, meeting in warehouses, hiding from governmental authorities, meeting in cathedrals, the people of God. And so here you find one of the practices of the people of God, singing. Singing and worshiping. So worship and praise, they seem to maybe be the same thing we call this time that we do the worship time but it's all worship and worship is much bigger than just an event because what we're having right now is an event we're gathering together so is that the end of our worship we gather together for an event and then we leave and we don't worship anymore no worship is much bigger than that the same people though again in this chapter that are singing are the ones that were complaining to moses probably just a few hours ago Amazing how that can happen, isn't it? What a few hours can bring. In this song that we read, take a look at it. Read the whole thing later on today or later on this week. This song that we're reading and looking at is the first recorded song in the Bible. It's probably the oldest song in the world. Probably the oldest song in history. Oldest recorded song. What is it? Sing unto the Lord, for He's highly exalted. Both horse and rider he has thrown into the sea. So let's talk a little bit about singing. Let's talk a little bit about music because both of those things are happening. And both of those things are happening right here. So there's a long tradition for that. And it could be that this is where the tradition is beginning. Singing and praising and dancing and putting music and praise together into the same place. But music and singing are not the totality of worship by any means. Worship is an outward expression of the heart that's been touched by God. What's worship? It's an outward expression of the heart that has been touched by God. I got invited some years ago to teach in Recife, Brazil, at the Youth with a Mission base. And the guy who had invited me, he told me that he wanted me to talk about the, the heart of worship, And I thought he invited me because I was a worship leader. At that time, I was leading worship a lot. And I thought he wanted me to come down and teach people about being worship leaders. And when I got there, he was like, no, no, no. What I want you to do is talk about the lifestyle of a worshiper. What's the lifestyle of a worshiper? And so worship, praise, singing, sometimes they all get mixed together. And in this moment, they are mixed together. Because we're singing and we're praising we're worshiping, we're gathering together. But from here we'll leave, but we still have a lifestyle of worship. And so music and singing are not any way the totality of worship. Worship is the lifestyle of the believer. How we live, how we act, how we talk, how we love, how we give, how we serve, how we work, how we pray, everything that Carl was talking about. <laughs> All of those things. But there is an act of worship, an event, a worship event, and we're gathered for a worship event, and the Scripture encourages us to gather for worship events. Why should we do that? Well, because something happens when the people of God are gathered together that cannot happen in any other context. You can worship in your car, you can worship through your dashboard, you can worship with with your your uh, ear earphones, you can worship by yourself. You can, but there's something that happens. That when the people of God gather together for a worship event, that can't be replicated any other place on earth or any other time. It just happens. And it's, and it's always there, and you can't reproduce it either. So there is worship, the event, but music and song are also part of our being. When God created us, he created us all with a musical instrument. Anybody here play a musical instrument? Quite a few of us. Anybody here, a musical instrument? Everybody should have their hand up because we're all musical instruments. God gave every single one of us an instrument. Now, granted, some of our instruments are out of tune. <laughs> but you nevertheless have an instrument. And he made you with built-in percussion. Right? Right? We, we have a drum set. Yes? Yes? And then if we had a microphone, we could do a beatbox. We're instruments, built-in instruments. Yet only Christian people, only Christian people can sing songs of redemption. So the whole world can sing songs. The whole world can sing songs about coke. Isn't there an advertisement about that? It's the whole world singing about Coca-Cola. Well, (laughs) Coca-Cola and praise do have something in common that Coca-Cola is is a word that's the same in every single language as is hallelujah, every every single language. But only Christians can sing of redemption. God has given us a fundamental reflex that God wants to enjoy. He wants to enjoy your reflex of rhythm. He wants to enjoy the reflex of your voice, your instrument. And Singing, small children sing when they're happily playing. Elderly people like songs from their past. Have you ever noticed that? People get older and they like, they like songs that are older. They go all the way back. They go all the way back to the time where there was the best music. Oh, that was the best music. <clears throat> well, what is it doing? There's some connection there. Something's happening to the, to the human soul with that music. From birth to death, songs play a role. Most sung song, at least in the United States, what is it? What song is sung more than any other song in the United States? Happy birthday. Happy birthday. And so from birth to death, songs play a role. And many times, you know it, you've been at memorial services, somebody gets up and sings. Somebody gets up and and shares a song. Or there's a song maybe playing over the speakers. Not always, but many times. So from birth to death, songs play play a role. So the most sung song is Happy Birthday. What's the most recorded song in American history? Does anybody know what it is? It's Amazing Grace. Recorded by everybody. Even sung at Woodstock, by the way. Um, Amazing Grace. And so um, we sing here and we'll sing there. Singing is part of our experience now that we're the people of god we sing here we're singing right now and we'll sing there we'll be singing forever and there's a song that we sing that says i will sing of your love forever why do we say forever because we're going to be singing forever and i do believe that some of us our instruments might be in tune then or we won't care as much (laughs) but it doesn't matter because the bible says to make a joyful noise And so um, some of the greatest music, we should get this, this is important. Some of the greatest music in history has come from the church in its attempts to glorify God. And it's not just in the Western world, but globally, music has been used to glorify God. And an awful lot of the music you hear around the world, not just where we live in the, in, the Western world, but around the world, an awful lot of that music, an awful lot of the rhythms, an awful lot of the sounds came from the church and came through the church. And the church doesn't get credit for it all the time, but that's where it came from. came from the church, through the church. Bach is unparalleled in his musical achievements. It's really like nobody like Bach. And Bach would always he would sign his music to the glory of God, to the glory of God, writing this music to the glory of God. beautiful music. Handel's Messiah, probably the most widely sung group song on the planet. You know, a lot of people, they complain about some of the new worship songs. They say it's so repetitive, you know, just say the same thing over and over and over and over again. Well, well part of the repetition is so that you can just close your eyes and let go and you don't have to look at words and you don't have to look at your phone and you don't have to look at a screen, you don't have to look at a hymn book. You can just say it and you can just say it from, from your heart. And they go, I know, but it's so shallow, just repetitive, repetitive, repetitive. Do you know how many times it says Hallelujah in Handel's Messiah? hallelujah 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 ha. handle you're so repetitive stop it so that everybody sings hallelujah and people wait all year to just gather together to do what to sing a repetitive hallelujah again amazing grace most recorded song ever you know musical forms and musical forms even in our present culture came from the church came from, you know rock music came from the church the church was one of the first ones to oppose rock music, but rock music came from the church. In fact, it goes further back than that. Rock music came from the fields, migrated to the church, and from the church, found its way into popular culture. How about this one? Anyone hear this one? Way in the water. People know that? Way in the water Way in the water God's gonna trouble the water Oh Wade in the water Wade in the water Way in the water God's gonna trouble the water Boom 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 boom, ba-dum, boom, 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 boom. Fever in the morning, fever all through the night. Then what's it say? You know the way you da 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 make me feel. I get a fever that's so hard to bear. You give me fever, boom. Yeah, exactly. Stole it from the fields to the church to Elvis Presley. To Elvis Presley, who grows up in the Assembly of God Church, hears this stuff all the time in the Deep South, and all of those sounds came from the church. But yeah, but rock music has that, rock music has a distinct guitar sound. So that's what makes rock and roll rock and roll. You mean like the stuff that Chuck Berry was doing, the stuff that Bo Dilley was doing? You mean the stuff that Dwayne Eddy was doing, all of that early stuff? Right. Oh, right. Wasn't Sister Roser Thop doing that in the Church of God in Christ 20 years earlier with her electric guitar? But nobody will give her credit. So music is amazing, and music has, has very often found its origins in and through the church. Uh, two groups, really, that don't get uh, credit for culture and even you know, economy, you know, the, the church and the fields. Well, the church and the fields, that's where it came from. Even rap, even rap, some of that came from Africa, came from West Africa. They had these people called groats, and what they would do is they would do the same thing that the hymns do. You see, one of the things they would do with the hymns is they would write the hymns to teach you theology. So that when you're going through the hymn, you're memorizing theology. You're memorizing who God is. Now, a lot of people don't write theological songs as much anymore, but some people are coming back and doing it, writing songs that are theological, that are telling you who God is. But these Grohits of West Africa, they had this form of music where they had percussion in it, and just a little tiny bit of music, percussion with just a little bit of tiny music. And what they would do is they would tell in rhyme stories, you know. And so you know, rap is you know is is rhythm and poetry together. So all of this, all of this stuff finds its way through the church, seeps out, seeps out into the culture. It, it's the same with you know the use of a lot of things. The church is many times just been on the forefront of so much so much why because we're always looking for new ways to praise God new ways to praise God and to praise him even more and so oh and you know that song fever so so that song comes it comes straight from straight from the fields through the church into popular culture um, Madonna records it beyonce records it Nobody gives credit where it came from, but uh, that's where it came from. So, so music in the Bible here in Exodus 15, also in the New Testament, when the New Testament opens up, there's music. There's music and singing. It's all through the Scripture. Mary and Elizabeth, when that whole scenario is happening, when the angel is visiting them, they're writing songs. They're singing songs. In one of the songs, Mary's song, she seems to have used the form of Hannah's song. Hannah, in the Old Testament, she wrote a song and Mary seems to know that song and sort of takes the form in in some of what's going on with that and writes her song. So all through the scriptures, Old Testament, New Testament, an expression of love, an expression of thanks, an expression of gratitude, an expression of praise. And music can bring peace and unity, can bring us together. And when we're singing... You see, I've always thought that the way that this is set up, some churches historically have had the right idea, but the way that we set up, we set up here and we put musicians and we put singers here, and we put however many, we put one to a dozen, or maybe more, you know, maybe thirty, and and they all look forward at everybody else and you watch the people. Well, architecture and church architecture, you should go into churches and look at the architecture. Because the architecture is always telling you a story of what's really important and what's going on. And so sometimes if you go into a Baptist church, you'll see this big sort of unit in the back that has glass on it. What is that? A baptismal. Because they're Baptists. And because they're Baptists, they like to baptize people. And so because they're baptized, the first thing you see when you come in is the baptismal. What do you guys do? We baptize people. We get them saved and we baptize them. We're going, to get, we're going to do a baptism next week. So if you haven't been baptized, come ready to get baptized. You can sign up if you want to, or you can just come and be, come and be baptized. Um, many times you'll go into a church and you'll see a long altar that's all decorated with gold and, and lots of colors, lots of material. And there's things on there. What are they celebrating? They're celebrating communion. That's what they put at the center of, of it. Uh, and so, so these kinds of things tell us what's important. In many churches, if you go into some of these churches, you'll find that the, the musicians are actually in the back on the top. And so when everybody's singing, you can't see them because they're not doing any, they're not on display for you. They're just there to help us to sing and to lift our voices together. And when we're looking, we're not seeing them. And so I think what we're going to do, we're going to close with a song, but I'm going to have all of them turn around. But then that'd be even worse. And, you know, you have to look. Li- <laughs> Van Morrison does that. They say he's shy, so he turns around. But, but the idea of we're not looking at musicians, we're not looking at musical equipment, we're looking for God. We're looking at God. Our, our worship is going towards God. But it brings us together. It brings us together. E- even if just for a moment our, our voices are together. And we like to say that we're singing for an audience of one. There's an audience. But this isn't the audience in the way that we're structured. It's like, here's the audience. Somebody's talking and here's the audience. Not at all. This team here is connected to that team there. And, and we're supposed to be singing to an audience of one. Singing to God. So do we accomplish it? Sometimes we accomplish it. Sometimes we accomplish it. And and having said that, music and singing and congregational music, this has been a battle throughout the centuries. Who does the music belong to? Who does the music belong to? Well, it belongs to God, but the singing belongs to the people. And so you're always trying to do something to be able to get the congregation to sing as one to the Lord. Sing as one to the Lord. And so um, Christians should live in peace. And sometimes when you're standing next to somebody, if you've got a beef with them, sometimes it's easy to just stand next to them and some of that just falls away. Standing together and singing to God, living and singing in peace, doesn't eliminate differences but it helps us to love and accept. Let's just sing together. Let's just be together. Let's just sing together. Let's just sing to God together. We're singing with one voice to an audience of one. And in the book of Revelation, it says that there's these just myriads of millions upon millions of people. And it says that their voice sounds like a waterfall. And it says with one voice from every tongue, every tribe, every people, just one voice. I do this thing. It's probably overplayed by this point. But sometimes I get invited to speak or pray at uh, interdenominational gatherings. And, and I like to ask everybody who's there to say, where are you from? What Shout out the name of your church. Shout it out as loud as you can. And some people, you can see them, especially when there's a big group of them, they're shouting out the name of their church, but it sounds like a bunch of nonsense. Because there's just so many people shouting out the name of their church. And I go, ah, that was kind of interesting, but I couldn't I couldn't make heads or tails out of it. And then I ask them, who are we here for? Let's try that one. You do the who are we here for. So shouting out, you know, where are you? Try, try this one. It works like this. W- w- what town are you from? Shout it out. Yeah, that sounded like nonsense. But who are you here for? Yeah, exactly. And so all of that gets translated into one. An audience of one. The many sounding like one. And when we join together in our worship together towards God, we are joining together with the angels and we're joining together with the universal church. We already said we're the church with a small C and down the hill there's another small C church. And, and as the sun rises every weekend across the planet, people come out and they begin to worship. Some of them in Iran, they're worshiping in secret places. But they're worshiping and they're singing songs or they're, rec- they're reciting verses. You know, and as, the, as the sun comes up and moves across the planet and people start getting up, like right now it's... Uh, It's about 11 o'clock, and so people in California now are getting up and getting ready to go and do church. And so we're just sort of handing off the torch of 24-hour worship all around the planet. And we're joining in worship with them. And so not only people in the United States, but again, people from, from every nation under earth joining together to worship God. So this worship of God, this singing together, isn't just the singing of camp songs. There's something going on something valuable going on and, and music can help focus our attention on God, it can help us focus our attention on God. I've said before I want to get one of those sports microphones, you know those ones where you can almost hear the plays that the guys are making in the huddle, I stand on the side and try to listen to them. I want to get one for, for coming up the road. So I can hear the conversations that are going on in the cars before you pull into the parking lot. (laughs) Hear all of that godly chatter. (laughs) All of those encouraging words. But then we come in after that. And you can usually tell what's been going on in the car because we start to sing and people sit down and... But, you know, the more it catches on, the more it starts to loosen up. And maybe you can, you can end up just worshiping the Lord. Because music helps us to focus on God. You know that the scripture says that there are musical instruments that David made for the worship of God. not that something? And so those sounds, those sounds that David made, and an awful lot of those songs seem to be in minor keys, an awful lot of that musical tradition that happens from that part of the world originated with David and the musical instruments he made to praise God. That sound, that sound that permeates much of the culture in that part of the world to this day came from David making musical instruments to praise God with. So again, you know, music, the music of the culture is coming from and through the church and it can lift our thoughts and our emotions towards God. You know, Some people don't like emotional worship, but Jesus said you need to love the Lord God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, and all of your strength. So yes, serve Him with your mind and serve Him with your strength, but serve Him with your soul and serve Him with your heart. You know, Your soul has to do with your preferences, who you are in the world, what color car you drive. You know, how many people, they buy a car, what are they looking for? They want to know what the interior looks like and what the, what the color of it. How does this thing run? I don't know how it runs, but boy, I love that color. So, you know, it's our preferences. You know, who we are, our soul. And we take all of that and we experience God on an emotional level. Nothing wrong with it and everything right with it. But you don't only want to have an emotional relationship with God. You don't only want to have an intellectual relationship with God. You don't only want to have a service relationship with God. I'm just servant, 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 serving. Well, take some time. With all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind. And so... Worship together can take our thoughts and our emotions and reflect them on God. It can also help us reflect on how we need God and celebrate His goodness. But let's look at the song real fast. It's not a self-centered song. It's not a self-centered song. I will sing, it starts, to the Lord, for He is highly exalted. So it says, I there, and then it moves towards God. Who He is and what He has done. It's God-centered. The Lord is referred to 45 times in this song. 45 times. Now, it's possible, it's quite possible that Miriam is the one that wrote this song. We don't know, but it could have been Miriam who wrote it. She appears, at least in the second part, to be the worship leader, or at least a worship leader. But maybe she took the song, and then she takes the ladies with the timbrels, and they're dancing... So I don't know, maybe it's at the ladies' retreat that she's leading here, but I don't know what's going on there. But she's leading worship and she's a prophetess. She speaks for God. She speaks for God. And this is the same Miriam who watched Moses in the Nile so many years ago, and now she's seeing God work through Moses. Isn't that amazing? All those years ago, she saw Moses and helped to rescue Moses' life when he was a little baby. Who knows what's wrapped up in the life of that little baby? And so we gave out the bottles today. Because who knows what's wrapped up in the lives of those little babies? And part of the thing with the, with the bottles is trying to save the lives of babies who, who might otherwise not have the chance to even live. <clears throat> I was at a League of Women Voters thing one time in an an abortion debate and and somebody brought out that you know when uh, when a lot of women are struggling with the idea you know are they going to do it or are they not going to do it it's sort of like a split second emotional decision and so you know these bottles might help you know some of those women um bring forth these children because who knows what's wrapped up in the life of that little child who knows what's wrapped up in the life of little moses And so, whoever would have thought that little life would amount to maybe anything. And now, now she's all of these decades later, she's overwhelmed by the grace. She's overwhelmed by the goodness. She's overwhelmed by the power of God. And she could essentially write, all my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. You have done it. The horse and the rider you have thrown into the sea. And so the elements are this, verse 1, then, then, here's the song, then, the elements in the structure and the topic of the song, then, this song came because God's action on their behalf. Why did they write the song? Because of God's action on their behalf. Why do we sing songs? Because of God's actions on our behalf. And we sing about that. Deliverance through the Red Sea specifically. it was Larry Richards who said, the more clearly we see God as the one who works wonders, the more confident we we are that he'll see us through times of trouble. And so they see God bringing them through, the God of wonders. Isn't there a song that we sing like that? God of wonders. Beyond all galaxies. And, And the more we will find him and rejoice in his presence. So worship is a response. It's a response. And I've got to tell you that some of us know this. You've been around long enough that sometimes you go to a worship gathering and they try to get you hyped. Let's get hyped up. Let's get so hyped up that we can actually talk God into something. We'll just get them hyped up. We'll get everybody hyped up. And then... Then we'll try to get God to respond to us. What are we going to do? Well, same thing that happened. This is what happened with Elijah on, on Mount Carmel with the prophets of Baal. You know, what were the prophets of Baal doing? They were jumping up and down. They were singing. They were shouting, trying to get their gods to do something. And Elijah, he's just sort of a rude guy, really, um, he's saying to them, Hey, so where is he, where's he God? Um, where is he? What's he doing? Is he, uh, is he going to the bathroom? Um, Elijah, are you talking like that to them? Oh, well, you know, just trying to find out what's going on. And then Elijah just trusts God, but they're trying to work themselves up so that they can get something from God. Well, that's religion. That's religion. You see, worship is a response to who God is and what he has done. God initiates and we respond. It's not that we initiate and God responds. God is not a vending machine where you can put all of your excitement in or put everything that you want in and get whatever your desires are. Oh, I don't know, what am I going to choose? Oh, I think I'll choose A20. I liked those the last time. Uh Worship is response. It's grace. It's grace that we're even allowed to worship. It's grace that we're even given a reason to worship. True worship is born out of response. It's not mechanical. It's Well, it can get mechanical. It's not merely emotional, but it's sincere. And it will lead us to a godly life. I worship here is personal. It's me. So even though I'm worshiping here in the midst of all of these people, there's all of us here. And so I am worshiping together with the congregation. But in the midst of it, it's very personal. It's just me and God. C.S. Lewis, a lot of you know who he is. <clears throat> Famed Christian writer. He said that when he went to church, he went to the largest anglican congregation he could find and he would try to sneak in and fit in and he said a lot of people knew who i was and they wanted to talk to me and he said i just wanted to be there in the presence of god and not be be noticed i just wanted it to be me and god me and god and so it's me and god because of what god has done for me it's prayer to him i will and so it it involves my will I will worship him. I resolve to worship him. I will worship the Lord. And we have reason to do this. But the Bible also talks about the sacrifice of praise. Sometimes it's, it's a sacrifice of praise. You're going through a difficult thing. What am I going to do? I will praise the Lord. I, I will praise the Lord in this thing. Well, resolve to worship has its enemies. Doubt. Anger. Anger at God. Anger at others. Anger at circumstances. Pride, independence, sin. I will lift up my eyes to see the Lord. I will lift up my hands. So Timothy said, Timothy said, so whenever you assemble, I want men everywhere to pray with holy hands lifted up, free of anger and controversy. Lifting up my hands. What is, what is that whole lifting up of my hands anyway? Sometimes in this experience of worship, this worship event this experience of worship, there are postures. And this is a great posture because this is the universal sign of surrender. But it's also the universal sign of lifting up to get something. It's one of the first actions that children learn, right? Put their hands out. (laughs) Give me something. I want something. Want something from who? I want something from my parent. I want something from my Heavenly Father. I want something from you. I want to touch you. I'm reaching out trying to touch you. I'm surrendering. I'm trying to touch you. I need something from you. Same thing, you know, getting on our knees. What a great posture for worship. Because when you're on your knees, you can't do anything else. There's not much you can do on your knees. And so there you are in Psalm 28, you know, lifting up my hands, King David. And, he's, and King David said, I will sing. I will sing. Some people think they won't be able to sing until they get to heaven. Just do it. Just do it. Not only the expression, but um, singing is so common anyway. It's, It's second only to talking. Just lift up your voice. In our New Believers class, we used to teach about prayer. And we used to say, prayer is pretty simple. People go, I don't know how to pray. And we would ask, do you know how to talk? Like, do you know how to talk? Yeah, I can talk. Well, just talk looking up. And so just start talking to God. And so just sing looking up. Just start singing to God. There's all types of songs. And let's just talk about these real fast because we, we need to close it up. But there's different types of songs. And there's songs that are called calls to worship. Calls to worship. And many times these songs, we used to sing one here that says, As we gather, may your spirit be among us. Uh, and so that's a call to worship. We're calling everybody to worship. There's songs that we sing that are not towards God. That are not towards God. There's songs that we sing that tell the gospel story. There are songs that we sing that we sing to each other. In the first church that I ever went to, they used to sing this song that said, Anyone here want to live forever? Say I do. Anyone want to walk on golden streets? Say I do. Anybody know that song? you ever hear that? I thought that's a strange song. And um, I remember singing and I thought, because I was brand new in the Lord. I didn't know. I didn't know what you were supposed to do. I was such a, such a church klutz, really. I, didn't, I, still don't, I still don't understand church. Church doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. But, but worshiping God and responding to the gospel. And allowing people to come to him does make sense to me. But, but learning that song, I thought, am I supposed to turn around and sing that to the person next to me? Like nudge him? Anyone here want to live forever? How about you? You want to live forever? Just say I do. Well, you're singing to people. There's, there's songs that say, uh, enter his gates with thanksgiving. It's telling you what to do. It's giving you instructions. Enter his gates with thanksgiving in, in, in your mouth. And enter his courts with praise. So this is what you're supposed to be doing. You're supposed to be giving Him praise. You're supposed to be giving Him thanks. There's evangelistic songs. There's songs that teach. Again, many of the hymns were written specifically to teach us. There's songs of adoration. Songs that say majesty and glory. There's praise songs where I'm praising Him for who He is. There's songs of intimacy. I love You, Lord. I want to see You, Lord. Touch me, Lord. So I don't lead worship that much anymore. But, but when, I, when I used to, um, sometimes, a lot of times, I would, I would lead worship with my eyes open, watching people. Watching people, so I don't want to intimidate you, but, but I would watch people. Because I was always looking for somebody that was entering into the song. I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice. To worship you. And if I saw that person who I could see that they were into it, and they were into singing that line, then I would repeat that line so it was just me and them singing it together. (laughs) What am I doing? Just taking the musical bed, putting a prayer on top of it, putting a time of worship on top of it, and giving people the opportunity to touch God in a moment. And man, if I'd seen him I'd just do it again. Let's just do it again. Let's just do it again. I want to touch you. I want to see you. And so the job of the worship leader is to lead worship, to do it first, to go into it first. <clears throat> Sam Ackman, some of you know Sam. That's how Sam leads worship. Sam, Sam just gets together with everybody and then he gets on his keyboard and he starts to worship the Lord. And sometimes I think he's saying, if you want to come with me, come with me. If you don't want to come with me, you don't come with me. But I'm going to worship the Lord. If you want to come, come. If you don't want to, don't. And so there's songs of confession. Forgive me, Lord. Wash me, Lord. There's songs of declaration. Let's go up. Let's do this. I will. The Lord is highly exalted. We're talking about his character, his nature, be magnified, who he is, what he's done. In verse 1, we're only in verse 1. Personal relationship and response. The Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. My, He is my strength. He lives in me. He empowers me. He's my song. Oh, how He loves me. He loves us. Oh, how He loves us. Oh, how He loves us. That's the song that says, with a sloppy wet kiss, and some people go, I don't like that sloppy wet kiss thing. All right, that's all right. My God, the name of the Lord. Walt, who was leading worship up here, he told me that... I don't want to speak for you, Walt. Where are you? What, raise your hand because you can correct me if you want. But you told me you had a little bit of a turning point, huh? When you realized that there were songs about God and songs to God. Right? Songs about God and songs to God in... And we should know which ones we're doing. We should know that right now we're singing a song about God, and that's good. And we should know that we're singing a song to God. I'm singing to you. I'm singing to you right now. I love you, Lord. That ain't talking to nobody else. There's no gospel message in there. I am just singing to you, Lord, right now. It is you and me, and I am worshiping and I'm singing to you. And there's great times where I should be rehearsing who you are and what you've done and be reminding myself and then telling other people the same thing but worship is coming into the presence of the Lord it is both a lifestyle and an act it's both a lifestyle and an act and the object of our worship is none other than the creator of the universe God Almighty the Holy One the object of our worship and the, the world system deceives us into thinking you know something other than God is worthy of our ultimate trust, worthy of our highest praise, worthy of our deepest affection. And it's here we pour out our affection, we pour out our praise, we pour out our gratitude, we lift our hands, we bow our knee to the maker, the creator of heaven and earth. And worship again accomplishes something no other human experience can replicate or duplicate. The worship event, the worship gathering. I sing because I'm happy. I sing because I'm free. His eye is on the sparrow. He watches over me. He watches over me. A major theme in worship songs is holy, holy, holy. Three times the angels sing it and so do we. Holy, holy, holy. Worship means worship, worth it-ship. God is worth it. The true and living God is omnipotent. He is all-powerful. There is none like Him. He is our Advocate. He is the Almighty. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He's the Amen. He's the Anointed One. He's the Arm of the Lord. He's the Author and Finisher of our faith. He's the Beginning and the End of Creation. He's Beloved. He's called our Bishop, the One who watches over us. He's blessed. He's the Branch. He's the Bread of Life. Jesus said that He was the Bridegroom. He's the Bright and Morning Star. He's the the Brightness of the Father's Glory. He's the Captain of the Lord's Host. How many more names can we go on with dozens and dozens and dozens? He is God. In my father's God, and I will praise Him for the horse and rider He has cast into the sea. So uh, let's close with some uh, worship and uh, some surrender to God because of what He's done. And again, it might be that that um, let's stand. It might be that this morning and after this song, Carl will come up and close close us in prayer and pray a blessing over us. Carl's a father; to play pray the blessing of a father. This is Matt playing drums with us this morning. Matt, could you turn around so everybody can see your beard? How how old is that? How old is that beard? When did you start that beard? What what was what was the date? That's a COVID beard, isn't it? March 14th. 2014. March 14th COVID beard. I still have my COVID hair. I'm I'm ready to cut it. So I don't know what you're going to do with that beard, but I'm I'm ready to cut my COVID hair. So. sing this song of surrender and then uh, Carl can come up, but I do want to give you the invitation while we're singing this song to surrender your life to Jesus. Um, The way that you get to know God, that's what you were created for, the whole purpose of our being, the whole purpose of everything in our life, is to know God and to worship Him forever and to enjoy Him forever. When these theologians got together to put together this thing called the Westminster Confession of Faith, do you need this? These guys get together, right? And they're trying to uh, write down, like, what's the purpose of humanity? What's the purpose of life? And they debate it, and they debate it, and they try to put it into words, just like the poet tries to put it into words. And what they said was, the chief purpose of humanity is to know God and to enjoy Him forever. And so if you don't know God, you're not experiencing life and life to the fullest. You might be experiencing life, you might have a good life. When you're not experiencing life to the fullest it only comes through a relationship with god through jesus christ we're all sinners we've all fallen short of the glory of god only a holy creature can fellowship with a holy god and we're not holy we're not holy enough jesus is holy enough he took our place died on the cross for you died on the cross for me forgives our sins forgives everything and makes us right with god covered with the blood of jesus god looks at us and sees us as righteous and clean so you start life all over again you begin all over you're born again and so uh, surrender to god this morning and come and get baptized uh, next week as a sign that you're surrendering